There you go. He answered properly. Exactly. No answer. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. UNLV won another basketball game last night. Eight and five going into conference play. It's the best record they've had through 13 games since Marvin Menzies' second season in 2017-18. But UNLV non-conference, they went 8-0 against teams they were favored to beat. They went 0-5 against teams that were favored to beat them. 0-5 against top 100 teams, 8-0 against teams outside the top 100. So here's my question. Did you see anything to suggest they will be able to beat good Mountain West teams? There are six Mountain West teams in the top 100 of Ken Palm and Wyoming is 105. So there might be seven very soon. Have you seen anything from this team to suggest they can beat decent basketball I mean, teams? What's it? 18 games. Yep. Yeah. Over the course of 18, I think they're going to beat some of those. I don't know how many of them, but is it two or is it? Uh, I don't think it's seven or eight right. might be two to four. They're going to get some over 18 games. They they're going to get some over 18 games. A ton of them. I'm, I, I haven't seen enough. Who I believe they'll be like, okay, they can win eight or nine of those games and contend for the regular season title. I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, if you're saying, you know, Saturday, San Diego State comes in, they don't shoot well at all, uh, you can win that game. Absolutely. You go, you know, uh, Boise State comes in. I mean, road games, I'm not so sure about that. But here at Thomas and Mac, I think there'll be some of those teams. They play uh, 11 games in conference play against teams that are currently in the top 100. Okay, so do you and- know those teams? Yeah, San okay, Diego so, State, Fresno State, Nevada, Boise State, Colorado State. Okay, so let's put – I'll give you a total a number of five and a half. You going under or under? Over? Oh, you're going under? Under. Okay. Um, so here's here's what we've seen from UNLV basketball. They beat bad teams, and they are physically dominant against bad teams because Kevin Kruger, that was one of the things that he added to this roster was – Athleticism. Make this team more athletic because they weren't very athletic. They weren't very physically dominating last year. So when they play San Diego or Seattle or Omaha, they look like a dominant team because they are just physically much better than those teams. Um, The phrase that I am using for this team is bum slayers. I stole that from Senben.Vegas. Ken Bolke over there. He uses that phrase. Bum slayers. That sounds like a website that you have to enter that you're over 18. It's a great <laughs> phrase. Uh, they are bum slayers. They are going to beat terrible teams. There are three terrible teams in the Mountain West, New Mexico, Air Force, and, and San Jose State. None of those teams are actually any good. They should handle those three teams. Those shouldn't be too much of a problem. So that's six. But the problem is that we have not seen them play well, except for one time, the Wichita State game. We have not seen them play well, be competitive against a good team. This season, they got blown out by UCLA, SMU, San Francisco. They played fine against Michigan, but they still ended up losing that game by 13. I haven't seen anything to suggest that's going to change, right? They've played better in these last three games, right? They've been getting to the rim a lot more. Donovan Williams is a lot better, but again, they're doing it against teams that they are physically better than. There's a big difference with Donovan Williams driving to the rim and getting a bunch of layups and free throws against San Diego compared to San Diego State. True. And that is until I see it, until I see Donovan Williams able to do that, until I see this team defensively able to dominate like they did last night against a good team, I I don't believe they're going to win many of those games. So you give them six on the bad teams, and you give them maybe 
four. So you're looking around what ten and eight. Be a good season. Yeah, they get ten no, wins. Do they play all the bad teams twice? Well, they that's might the other thing. I'm, I'm going off. To, I'm just assuming they play them twice. Let's but see. San Jose State, state, New Mexico. Yeah. They play both of them twice. Air, Air Force, Force. They own. Oh, they get them twice too. Okay. So, so you get six there. Should, you get four they might. that you're not supposed to get, or at least you know they're better teams. Ten would be ten and eight would be good. Yeah, it's that possible. Would get you, that puts you at eighteen wins going into the conference tournament. I don't know that they get four though. Okay. So, but that, but. It's plausible, like four and six or something like that out of those games. And Wyoming's just outside of it. Right. So like they and they and Wyoming comes here. So like that's a game They don't have to go there? Nope. They do not oh, travel to huge. Wyoming this year. They play that's Wyoming big. once this year and it's in it's in Vegas. So okay, that's huge. Like Wyoming's a team that I don't believe is actually good and that, that UNLV should be competitive with and, and possibly beat. Uh but they haven't beaten a team that's as good as Wyoming yet this year. So we have to basically see it before I actually believe it. That's sort of the key here with UNLV. They're bum slayers. And until proven otherwise, they are only bum slayers. You can be bum slayers and beat good teams. Please stop saying bum slayers. No, it's a great phrase. I love the phrase bum slayers. That's all I'm going to say. Because here's here's the other thing. Their conference schedule, Jared. Kids, if you're listening, do not Google. A lot of bums. Uh, they start with San Diego State, but then it's San Jose State Air Force, New Mexico, or the second, third, and fourth They got games. the second, third, and fourth against those yep. teams? A lot of bums they can slay. At worst, three and one. They should be three and one. No doubt about it, they should be three and one. And then, and, and listen, San Diego State's at home. Their next game after that's Fresno State at home. Steal one of those, and you're four and one. And then you lose a bunch in a row. But then who okay. do you get? Uh, San Diego State again. San Jose State again. Then Colorado State, Nevada, Utah State. Boise State, Fresno State, Colorado State, Nevada, Boise State. Okay. <laughs> then you're getting into the thick of things. <laughs> then it gets ugly. So they're bum slayers. They'll be three and one in conference play just by slaying some bums, and they'll be good to go. No, they could be four. No, they can win Saturday. They can it's, win Saturday. It's possible. We'll see what the crowd's like on January one. Ken Palm's only given San Diego State a four point win. Yeah. I, I I think they can win on Saturday. Well, Diego, I know they can win. San Diego State, ninth best defense in the country by Ken Palm. It's going to be a tough day. They're not going to score much. Not even your number two score now, Donovan Williams? Listen, I think you should be excited about what Donovan Williams has done. He had 32 points against Hartford. He had 20 against San Diego. He has emerged as like the number two option behind Bryce Hamilton as somebody that can create his own shot because he has basically decided... I'm going to the rim on every play. I'm going to, for three straight games. Now we have just seen him go to the rim and he hasn't taken mid range jumpers, which he was doing a lot earlier in the year. He's still taking some threes and he's shooting a decent enough percent that it's fine. You can keep shooting threes if you're over 33%, but he's just, he's going to the rim nonstop. And again, I think you should be excited because a, the mindset has changed from him where he knows that's what he needs to do to be successful. But the big hesitation is he did it against Hartford and Omaha and San Diego when they play San Diego State, when they play Nevada, Boise State, Colorado State. Colorado State. Is he going to be able to do it right. against those teams? Because it's a massive difference, and there's going to be a lot of times where San Diego State, they they love to play help side defense, the pack line or whatever. Right. Like You're not going to get all the way to the rim against those teams very easily. It's going to be a lot more difficult. Does he start pulling up for a 15-foot jumper when he gets shut down? Or does he pass it around or find a way to get all the way to the rim or whatever? Do they find a better shot? We'll see. He's been good the last three games, but it's a small sample size and it's against very, very bad teams. So I think you should be excited about Donovan Williams, but not to the point where we're projecting them to start winning games. Here's something that I find fascinating. 
UNLV can't shoot at Thomas and Mack. They cannot do it. They are three-point percentage at Thomas and Mack this year, 26.9%. They've played two road games. They're shooting 35.6% from three. Two games at T-Mobile Arena, 38.2% from three. Two games at Mandalay Bay, 43.1%. They are outside of Thomas and Mack, a top 53-point shooting team in the country. Inside of Thomas and Mack, they might be the worst in the entire country. Like, they are awful. They cannot shoot in their own home gym, which is fascinating because they're going to play half their conference games in their home gym and the Mountain West Tournament, so they might need to make some of those. They can't shoot at home, and it's it's bizarre. Let's see. The worst, uh, they wouldn't be the worst. The worst shooting team in the country is Maine, making 21.6% of their threes. They would come in tied at 341, just shooting at home. Just shooting at home? Just home. That's just threes, though. Yeah, just threes. Just okay, threes. that's not okay. That's yeah. not. They've been they've been shooting well at the rim these okay. last few games, but just threes. They'd be one of the bottom twenty teams in the country if they were only playing at home, which is horrible. It's it's very bad, and I don't understand why. Like, no, I don't, like I mean, they're. I mean, essentially, they're getting a lot of the same shots. I would think. It, like, it could be. It could be somewhat of a small sample size, because we have seven games at Thomas and Mac. Six games at just any other any venue. other venue, but that's half your season. Like, it, 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 sure, it's it's not a big sample size, but it's one college basketball season, and we're halfway through it almost. So, like, if that's a small sample size, they've got to completely reverse that in the future for that to start making up and make it back to the norm there. So, very fascinated by that. Um, also, Jordan McCabe has to stop throwing lobs. He can't throw alley-oops. I don't know what it is. He can't do it. He is, every game, he's trying to throw an alley-oop to somebody, and every game, it's a bad pass, and they don't get a layup out of it. It's not always a turnover. Like, it's often caught, but it's not caught in a place where they can actually score. (laughs) Sorry, I've just imagined, like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, dude, just pass it to me. Stop throwing it. It's unbelievable. Because I'm going to catch it anyway. He can't throw a lob. He can't throw a lob to the rim for Royce Ham to go up and dunk it. It's just, it's, is this is this in transition? He does it or all, half court or happened, what, what does he do? Uh, the first first or second play of the game last night, pick and roll with Royce Ham. So wide in, open in the half court. Yeah, yeah, wide open lob for him to just catch and dunk. And Jordan McCabe like threw it behind him. Like Royce Ham had to stop and go back and catch it. It's I don't understand because the guy the guy's been a good passer. He's been like fairly good at this. He cannot throw a lob. He just I, can't do it. I love when there's a, well, he's semi-professional, but uh, like a professional athlete who keeps trying things, and it's like, dude, you're not good at that. Why do you keep trying that? <laughs> no, not at all. All right, let's 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 end the segment with the best call of the night from John Sandler. Rounds. Bischoff's Briefs. I wanted you to see these player evaluations that you asked me to do. Bischoff's Briefs. I asked you to do three. Yeah. Bischoff's Briefs. To evaluate three players. Yeah. How many did you do? Bischoff's Briefs. 47. Okay. Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied just now. You think my man's coming back? Uh, I thought it was a very interesting quote from Mark Davis. Like, why wouldn't he be? So that's the first, that's the hardest Mark Davis has gone at anybody who's coming back. So 
Uh, this is over the weekend, but Paul Gutierrez talked to Mark Davis, and Mark Davis said, I'm not going to speak for the future, but right now he is the general manager of the Raiders, and there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the future. Yeah. I mean, what does that tell you? That Mike Mack's going to be back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, what it sounds like to me, uh, unless there's some John Gruden-like general manager that finally agrees to become his GM, I that sounds like he's coming yeah. back. Um, but what I am curious about is, do we think Mike Mayock's done a good job? Because uh, Paul Gutierrez talked to Nate Tannenbaum to sort of give an insight here is to Mike Mayock. And when talking about the extensions of Daniel Carlson and A.J. Cole, Tannenbaum said... It shows really smart strategic planning that's not short-term in nature. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And when you don't have final say, sometimes your job is to execute the vision of the head coach. So if you want to be honest about it, it's sort of a grade of incomplete on some of these other decisions. Incomplete. There we go. It's kind of hard to just evaluate one person's performance when he didn't have final say. Mike's a hardworking, strong-willed guy who's a company guy, so you don't know where he may have disagreed with Gruden. And once you make a decision, you come out unified. So I just think it's hard to extract one from the other, but he's a guy that's well thought of, works hard, obviously has a big scouting background, so it's really hard to isolate what he did compared to maybe what he didn't necessarily agree with. (laughs) So, conversation we've had a lot is, you know, how do you judge what Mike Mayock thought or didn't think about the roster building the Raiders have done because John Gruden had final say. But do do we give him credit for, like, doing things like locking up Daniel Carlson and A.J. Cole? Like, what do we give Mike Mayock credit for? Or what should we give him credit for? I don't know if there's anything yet because right. I have no idea how much power he had, and I don't think right. he had any power. So the idea here is that he didn't have final say on much of anything, which would mean until John Gruden resigned, we shouldn't give him credit or blame or blame. That's key or blame. Right. right. For anything the Raiders have done the last few years. So you look back and Max Crosby was a great pick in the middle rounds. Hunter Renfro was a great pick in the middle rounds. Nate Hobbs looks like a good pick in the middle rounds. I don't think we can give Mike Mayock credit for finding hidden gems in the middle no. rounds. Now, if Mark Davis is to come out and say, listen, these were the picks that John Gruden wanted to make. These were the picks that Mike Mayock wanted. Like, if we got, like, a full breakdown of, like, hey, here was our draft room in 2018 and 2019, then maybe we could. But for now, we're not going to get that. Yeah. For now, we can assume, we can guess that Mayock really wanted Cleveland Furl and Mayock is to blame for that. Or we can guess that John Gruden really wanted right. Cleveland Furl, and he's to blame. And the same thing goes with Renfro and Crosby and some of their better middle-round picks. But I don't think we can do it. And that's where the idea of do you keep Mike Mayock is interesting, but also, to a point, useless for us to talk about. Right. Because I assume Mark Davis knows. Right? That he's going to keep him? No, no, no. I assume Mark Davis knows like which picks... John Gruden was adamant about making. Well, and I'm also assuming, I'm going to assume, which we're assuming a lot, those picks were the first-round picks. Maybe. I mean, if if Mike Mayock in the sixth round said, Johnny, I really love this guy. I saw his tape. <laughs> you know, okay. If, or, you know, um, fifth rounder. I mean, even Nate Hobbs, who was a fifth rounder, maybe they agreed more on guys like that. 
but I can't believe that John Gruden, especially in the first round, didn't have final say and didn't like who they were picking. Because here, okay, it, it, the ideal scenario is that M- Mark Davis knows exactly where Mayock and Gruden agreed and Mayock and Gruden disagreed. Do you really think Davis paid that much attention? You hope he did. You hope he knows, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, he might have just the way the power he gave Gruden and how much he loved Gruden. He just must have. He might have said, "You guys handle the football operations things. I'll make an appearance on draft night in the draft room because the owners are supposed to be there, right? They're supposed to be there when they're picking players, but except for the COVID year when nobody was there." Um, I just thought he gave so much power to Gruden. I can't say for sure that John that Mark Davis was involved in any of these talks. So if that's the case, up until the end, you know, hey, we're going to pick this guy. Yeah. So if that's the case, then Mark Davis is kind of in the same situation we are, right? How does oh, he give credit? How does he gauge credit or blame yes, for these yes. picks? Yeah. And same goes for free agent signings, where they've had some good ones this year, like a Casey Hayward. And they've had some terrible ones in the past, like a uh, Trent Brown or right. Antonio Brown. Like how, like if Mark Davis, if he turned it over and he just said, I hired John Gruden, this is your team. You do what you want to do. If he turned it over that way, then he's in a very similar boat. We are where, all right, how do we give credit or blame to Mike Mayock for what he's done? How do you evaluate Mike Mayock? Because that's the thing. You've got to evaluate him because you might not bring him back. He might be done. Like that, that might be it for Mike Mayock as the he's- GM. But how do you evaluate it? Is part of Mayock's interview, eh, Johnny did all this. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. If you're Mike <laughs> Mayock at this point, you're going in there saying, well, I didn't uh, want Cleveland for him. Yeah. Exactly. I, didn't, I, I didn't, didn't want to. I wanted Justin Jefferson. Yeah. I didn't want. I want Jerry Judy. I didn't want. I didn't, I didn't want Jonathan Abram. That's not the pick. I, I loved Hunter Renfro, though. <laughs> He's a Clemson guy. Max Crosby. <laughs> I tell you what, I was in Buffalo, and that's where I saw Max like. If I'm Mike Mack, that's what I'm doing. Right. Like I am disassociating myself with oh, everything, all, all the first round picks yes. since he's been here and trying to associate myself with, you know, took that trip to Buffalo and saw Max Crosby play in a Mac game one time. Like that's what I'm doing because that's you. Cause again, if we, that's knew, your best interview strategy. Right, if, if we knew the hypothetical, if we knew John Gruden controlled the first round, Right, and then after that, Mike Mayock controlled the rest of it. Mike Mayock's a hell of a GM. Then Mike Mayock should stay. Yeah, I mean they've missed on some picks, but you're going to miss. Well, on you're going to miss mid round. You're going to miss on mid round guys, right? Yeah. But they've you've hit on Crosby, you've hit on Renfro, you've hit on potentially Nate Hobbs. We'll see yeah. how good he ends up being. Like they've been pretty solid outside of the first. round. And if he's round. second round, he probably hit on Mooring. Uh, Mary, yeah, probably. So and Trayvon Mullen was a second round pick right. that is been hurt a lot. We haven't right. seen Trayvon Nolan play a lot of games, but he's been solid when he's out there. Like outside of the first round, you'd probably say the Raiders have done a pretty good job drafting. Obviously, you know, Lynn Bowden didn't work out. Like right. Brian Edwards hasn't been very good. Damon but, Arnett. Yeah, but outside he's a first rounder. First rounder. Yeah. But like outside of the first round, they've been solid. So if you could if you could easily draw the line and say Gruden first round, Mayock everything after that, you're keeping Mike Mayock. I mean, I around. wonder if they've already had this discussion when he says I there's no reason why he shouldn't be here. Yeah. Probably has. Maybe they've already had the discussion. He probably has, which, you know, I ask that question a lot of why'd you give Sutton Smith a fullback a two-year deal? Why'd you sign your kicker and punter the four-year deals when nobody might be here? If Mayock knows he's coming back, then, yeah, Yeah. you're like, yeah, I'm the GM. This is is what we do. I'm going to be here for at least another year, I guess, if they don't make the playoffs next year. I assume Mike Mayock's gone at that point. I don't know. With Davis, you never know. Yeah. I mean. Okay, who... If he's there, if if he's there, then obviously he's already looking at coaches. 
you have to be looking at coaches. I guess Mayock leads the search and brings and brings Davis two or three guys. If you're going to that's keep, how it usually happens. If you're going to keep Mike Mayock as general manager, I think I think you have yeah. to let like yes. if you're going to say Mike Mayock, you're the GM. You got to let him be the GM. Right. I think you got to let him lead the coaching search in terms of who you want to be the next head coach right. of the Raiders. Now again, Mark Davis you have some say in it, right? You sure. say, I don't like this guy or I do like there, whatever. And that's not like you just give it to Mike Mayock. But I think you, even if you don't bring Mike Mayock back, I think you hire the general manager first. Oh yeah. And then Absolutely. let the GM yeah. sort of lead a coaching search. But if it's Mike Mayock, I think you, you give him control. I think you let Mike Mayock be the guy that sort of, does he turn around the organization or not? And if not, then eventually you move on from Mike Mayock and you go somewhere else. And that, again, is the big problem with the Mark Davis era. He has yet to make a hire as the head coach or a GM that's proven to be good. I mean, Davis had to sign off on the kicker and punter. Probably loves those guys. I mean, he's probably like, yeah, of course yeah. I love A.J. Cole. It's the one thing we're good at every week. <laughs> he's a pro bowler. It's the one. <laughs> like Carlson makes a lot of kicks. The one thing we can count on. <laughs> Defense sometimes <laughs> sucks. Derek Carr can't always throw it down the field very well. But if we get in field goal range, Daniel Carlson's money. If Mike Mayock's a GM, no matter who the GM is, I just think, and, you know, Derek Carr, you, you know, the pregame shows that my brother's texted me about, um, boy, it's going to be fascinating in the offseason what they do. It is. It is. I, I would I, guess I, if I Mike can't wait Mayock, for that no matter what. I'd guess if Mike Mayock's the GM, they're kind of keeping status quo. That they're kind of trying to say, hey, we're close, guys. They're going to give them $40 yeah. million a year. They're, they're close. We just need a few more pieces. We're close. So let's let's push forward, make a couple of good free agent signings, hopefully actually make a good first-round pick for once, and we're going to go from eight wins to ten wins and be in the playoffs. All right. That would be that If they keep Mike Mayock, that would be my guess. I don't think you keep Mike Mayock to blow it up. I think if you're blowing it up, it's because you're finding a new GM, and that GM says this roster sucks. Let's blow it up. Do you have an opinion on how much Mark Davis likes Derek Carr? I don't know. I don't. Do you? I think he wants to go to the playoffs more. <laughs> I yeah. I feel like it's he's a he's a nice boy. Um, I think he wants to go to the playoffs more. But if you but if your goal is to make the playoffs next year, then you have to do the conversation with Carr of who are you getting better than Carr. And, oh, I think that conversation right. takes place no matter what. And obviously, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Deshaun Watson, yes. Russell Wilson. But after that, there's not going to be guys that no. are better than Carr. Now, if you're if you're going to blow it up, then you don't really care about getting somebody better than Carr because you're planning for three Mayock, years down the road. Mayock, like you hit on the head, Mayock at eight, let's say they win one more game or they don't make it, they win two more games, they don't make it. He, I, I can't guarantee, but just being around him in interviews and listening to him, I think you're exactly right that he would remain status quo. Yeah, they'd say he's we're, not going to. The first thing he's not going to do with Mark Davis is said, "You've rehired me as the GM. Let's blow everything up." Like, <laughs> I don't know if that's what you say in the interview. You, you blame Gruden for everything in the interview, but you don't say we're just going to completely blow this thing up. And then I don't know if you're getting the job. One playoff appearance in 18 years, Mark. Here's my plan to make yes. it five years <laughs> exactly. from now. Coming up next, Jr. Starkus joins the show. Ready for the weekend? Let's find out what's on tap. We can provide you with a wine tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink. It's Thirsty Thursday with J.R. Starkus. Who needs a drink? So we drink and we drink and we drink some more. At J.R. Starkus on Twitter, key account executive, Southern Glazers Wine Spirits of Nevada, our extreme mixologist. Jared had a great question before we brought you on. 
What is the difference yeah. between a mixologist and an extreme mixologist? <laughs> well, I don't know. You gave me the the moniker of extreme mixologist, so I'm not sure either. But um, you gave uh, it to yeah, him. Ed. You gave it oh. to him, Ed. Yeah, I guess that means you're pretty uh, so, good at it. Okay, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, that's, I, that's, uh, that's quite the compliment. I was thinking, like, that means he does he mixes drinks on top of a volcano, or yeah, like something. He, or he graduated at a higher level with more certificates. He, I do have those. Yeah, he's snowboarding down a mountain while shaking a cocktail. There, there was a brand uh, years ago. Don't really see it much anymore. If, if it's even available anymore, it's called Forty Two Below, and they used to do a they used to do a cocktail competition. Several years ago, that was like that. You would have to build a drink while, like, kayaking or, you know, jump, bungee jumping, make a drink bungee jumping, um, do all kinds of weird stuff like that, you know. But uh, that was never my style because there's no way I am tying a rope to my body and jumping off a building. That's that's uh, outside no. of my comfort zone. No, you just build fences when you're, you want to see your kid play baseball. Um, <laughs> speaking of which... Uh, has he reached the age where you have to drag him out of bed on Christmas morning? He's like, no, just don't worry about it. You know, the, the, no. So, but the funny thing is like, he's, so he's up early every morning. He, he, um, he gets up and goes to the gym around four o'clock in the morning to train before school. But on Christmas morning, like he's always been like, ah, it's, you know, it's like seven 30. I'll get up now. And so I, we don't have to drag him out of bed. Uh, he's not, but he's not up as early as normal, but it was always atypical of a young child who was like, you know, knocking your door down at four o'clock in the morning. Like I was, when I was a kid, my dad used to tell me, he's like, Oh, I could hear you and your brother outside of our room, four o'clock in the morning, bringing mom. he would nudge my mom and look, you're like, oh, God, kids are awake. We got to get up, you know? So, but I never, we never had that with, with, with JT. He's always been, um, like that's the one day he kind of sleeps in, I guess you could call it, but it's never that late. Right. So seven thirty for seven thirty for us is pretty late. I ask you this because we'll be eating Christmas dinner and my kids will roll out. So, be, oh, oh, is it's it like time that. to get up yet? Is it t- yeah, no, that'll be good. <laughs> what a great reason to not have kids. They're up at four a.m. on Christmas. Get out of here, my friend. Sometimes oh, earlier. God, what are you doing at four a.m.? Go back to sleep. Well, you know, Santa comes, and as soon as uh-huh. Santa clum- comes, the, the kids need to see what Santa brought. And then, you know, but the, the good thing is, like, you get to take a nap that day because the kids will inevitably crash around noon. Um, true. You know, so so they, they crash, and then you can have, like, the rest of the day to either crash as well. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely the internal clock is, is turned upside down on Christmas morning for sure. What if Santa hasn't made it to the house at 4 a.m.? Well, maybe Santa's had a few pops the night before, and he's, uh, you know he's uh, you know gone a little going a little slower, or you know maybe his uh, you know forgets a few things, and you know so yeah, there's always that possibility, I suppose. Um, but you know most of the time Santa, um, you know has has his um, has his stuff together and, and figures it out, yeah. or at least can do it. While he doesn't drink as much sometimes on Christmas Eve, I think yeah. as the rest of the year, he does most of his things watching It's a Wonderful Life. Okay, uh, so. <laughs> I'm a big eggnog guy. I haven't asked the fellows if they're eggnog guys. Uh, let's see. Jared? Jared says no. No. Tyler? Um, I like eggnog, but the problem is is I drink too much of it and then feel sick. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this is, uh, what do we, I, I'm looking at it, and it looks like eggnog, but there's, see, yep. it appears to be a lot of alcohol in this thing today. No, there's, it's really not. It, it, so the drink is called the Coquito, and Coquito is a, it means little coconut in Spanish. It is a very, very popular quote-unquote eggnog-style drink of Puerto Rico. It is the classic holiday um, cocktail of Puerto Rico. And I wanted to make it because it, 
if you like eggnog, um, you'll love it. And but some people don't like eggnog because they just like I don't like egg or whatever the case is. Uh, there's no egg in this drink at all. It's more of like a coconut version of an eggnog, if you can. Um, some people, when they make this drink, will use egg. The recipe that I'm going to give you today is completely egg-free. Um, but the nice thing about this drink as well is that other than going to the store and picking up a couple things, um, there's basically no work to it. Like, you don't even have to shake anything. It's 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 pretty easy. So, um, you know, I everybody has their special recipe for coquito, uh, the house, the, the famous, like the family recipe. Um, so everybody kind of does it a little bit differently. So the recipe that I give you today, um, you can tweak it if you so see fit, you know, which, which makes the drink fun. Um, so you build a batch of it. And then the, the, when you build the batch of it, you just kind of have to refrigerate it. Cause you want to drink it cold and like eggnog. I mean, I, I've never been, I know some people that like to drink like milk over ice to me. That's disgusting. I heard you guys talking about like hot dogs and stuff earlier. Um, like <laughs> drinking milk over ice is weird to me. Um, I don't, I don't know why I could I agree. do it. I agree. Good. Yeah, that, that, right. that doesn't sound right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Like I would never drink coquito or eggnog over ice. You make sure it's cold from the refrigerator. You pour, you know, four to five ounces in a glass and, and you drink it because that's usually enough to sip on because it's very heavy. Um, so what I do is I use Don Q rum. And the reason I use Don Q rum is because it is the quintessential rum of Puerto Rico. I know I've, I've spoken about Don Q rum before. If you go to Puerto Rico, like they're very proud of this brand um, and, and you see it everywhere there. And it's the nice thing about it is not only does it make Coquito well, but it, it makes your rum and Coke well. It makes your mojito well. And it's very affordable. It's not an expensive rum, uh, but it is absolutely a delicious rum. What I do to make mine a little bit special is I infuse my Don Q rum with uh, raisins and with cinnamon the night before. And so you're going to need 12 ounces of rum for the recipe. So what I use is I take 12 ounces of rum, uh, four ounces, which is basically like four of the little cartons of, of raisins, and two sticks of cinnamon. I put it into a mason jar, and I just let it sit there overnight. Um, and that will infuse it perfectly. And then I strain off the cinnamon and the raisin. And usually what I'm left with is a, a, a beautifully infused rum. Um, you might find that because you're infusing that the, the, the rum soaks into the raisins a little bit. Um, so you may have to add a couple extra ounces of rum to get back up to 12 ounces. You can choose to keep the raisins if you so desire for part of the garnish. Some people don't like raisins in their drink. So, um, you know, you, you can keep them as a garnish or you can toss them whatever you decide or you can just eat them on their own because they are rum infused and why not? So you have your 12 ounces of infused rum. You add it to a blender, okay? All 12 ounces into a blender. And you're also then going to add uh, one can, which is 14 ounces of sweetened condensed milk. One can, uh, which is about 15 ounces of Coco Lopez coconut cream or cream of coconut. And then one can, which is 14 ounces of coconut milk, right? All of those things you can find at Smith's. Walmart, Albertsons, all those things, right? There's no special, uh, nothing special there. Uh, you're going to add uh, half to a half of a teaspoon to one teaspoon of ground cinnamon, a half of a teaspoon to one teaspoon of nutmeg, depending on what you like. You can reverse it. You can play back and forth. You can add one or the other. I like adding both. And then half of a teaspoon of vanilla extract. Put it into a blender. Put it on low. Let it combine for like 30 to 45 seconds. Put it in the refrigerator and pour it when you're ready for it. That's that's it. There's nothing else to do. There's no shaking. There's no ice. 
There's, there's nothing else you need to do. Um, you just keep it, make sure it stays chilled. You might find that because of the coconut and the coconut fat, like it, over time, it might like separate a little bit. That's completely natural. So just kind of stir it back up or shake it um, or take a whisk or a spoon just to kind of combine it. But that's all you need to do. Um, I found that if you leave it in the blender at low speed, you don't want to cook it, right? You don't want to go at high speed because the high speed of the blender might start cooking the stuff inside there. Um, so I like to do it at a low speed for like, like I said, 30 to 45 seconds, maybe a minute long. Everything gets combined very well. And you just leave it in the refrigerator and then you kind of pour two to three ounces in a little glass, maybe hit it with some grated nutmeg or cinnamon on top as a garnish. You could throw those raisins back on there. Um, and it's just a, a great cocktail for kind of all day Christmas day. The nice thing about it is that it, it while you can taste the booze in it, um, it's not like you're, you will not taste this drink and go, oh, my gosh, there's too much booze in that. It's so strong. It's not like that at all. It's very subtle, um, it, which, which makes it kind of the type of drinks that you can drink all day long. If you want to make it boozy, you certainly can. You know, you certainly can add more. Uh, but I've, I found that, that kind of 12 ounces to the ratio I gave you um, is, is, is quite perfect. It will feed. That will, that will give, I don't know, five, six drinks. That makes about 56 ounces. So, you know, that will give you uh, quite a few cocktails. And, um, you know, but if you have more people over, you can, you can make a larger batch. You can keep the rum separate and make one for the kids, too, because everything in there the kids can have, except for the rum, of course. So you can, you know, just make one for the kids and one for the adults. You can add the rum after the fact if you so want. Um, you know, it's, it's just a fun kind of holiday cocktail to, to have around, uh, around Christmas time, and it's very, very classic in will Puerto you, Rico. Will you put it all on Instagram, JR Makes Drinks? It'll all be on Instagram. Right. It will also be there very shortly. How many of these can I drink before my stomach hurts? Well, there's no egg in it, so if you like coconut, I mean, coconut—you probably drink the whole thing, buddy. And I'd okay. like to see that because uh, I, I want—I would love to see, you know, Tyler on one a little bit. That'd be good. I think last um, Christmas I had two. I, I was just drinking eggnog and Fireball, and I think I had two of them, and my stomach started to hurt. Uh. Yeah, the, yeah, the eggnog and the cream stuff like that can can get to people. That's why, like, I like eggnog too. I kind of steer away from it because the cream in that will like it'll get to my stomach, and then. I won't enjoy Christmas. I'll uh, I'll be spending more time with an upset stomach than anything else. Follow him on Twitter at JR Starkus. Get to Instagram at JR Make Strings. He'll show you how to make that one. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And don't get the kid up too early tomorrow, Saturday. You bet. Merry, Merry Christmas, gentlemen. Merry Christmas to everybody listening. And uh, looking forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, Thanks JR. Yourself, buddy. All right. We got tickets. Golden Knights playing the Ducks, hopefully, on New Year's Eve. Fingers crossed that game's played. If it is played, we got two tickets for you. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. You will get a pair of tickets to go see the Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks on December 31st. Caller number nine. Johnson in the lane. Johnson takes it. Oh, yeah! I doing his thing! Joe Johnson, left-hand dribble to the free-throw line. Moves to his right. 12-footer. Tough shot. Got it. (laughs) Make a comeback to your old stopping ground. 20 years later, Joe Johnson has scored for the Celtics. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to Clater. He won tickets to go to the Golden Knights game on December 31st. Uh, Also, congratulations to Tyler. Not me. He won tickets to go to the Las Vegas Bowl. Ed, yesterday, after you left, our ticket winner for the Las Vegas Bowl was a Jared. 
So a Jared and a Tyler are oh, kind of we're not supposed I to be able to win sh- these things. <laughs> I hope they sit next to each other. Yeah, we're not supposed to win these things. A Jared and a Tyler. I All really right. think Clater might be the guy over at Raider Nation Radio right now. He's had, he just added a T O R to his name because he wanted no, to win he's the just, tickets. Raider Clay just became Clater. <laughs> Clater in the morning on Raider Nation Radio. It's going to be great. All right. I have a Christmas present for both of you guys. Uh-oh. I do, too. Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. gosh. All right. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give Jared's first. Okay. And I want to just preface this by saying I didn't know what to get Jared, so I pretended to be Jared. Oh, okay. And by that, I mean I got drunk. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> uh, Ed got Jared's cigarettes. <laughs> Well, something else too, but I added, <laughs> added a few boxes. I, I'm, I'm contributing to whatever uh, it is. I, I had something to drink, and I went on Fanatics <laughs> and found cheap jerseys. So once that's I, that's not that is what I do. So first off, Jared, um, they were selling Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champion shirts Ooh, nice. for a dollar. Oh, I genuinely think I own that already. Okay, but that's pretty. That's good. pretty cool. I bought an Astros one because it was also a dollar. Uh, Ed, the Dodger ones were still twenty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> you guys, you guys are price gouge. Um, but the two cheapest jerseys, I bought them for you. The first one is a navy oh, jersey. That's actually pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looks like a cool jersey. If you ever see Bill Foley, I hope you're wearing this. Yes. That's yeah, pretty, that's I, I hang cool. out with Bill Foley. And the other one is a Todd Gurley Atlanta Falcons oh. jersey. Todd Gurley played for the Falcons? I look forward to giving this away in about a year on the show. <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun. So, yes, I was like. We still have a Brock Osweiler a Houston jersey that yes, we need to give away. Do. So, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know what to get Jared. I was like, well, what would Jared do? Well, he'd drink something and <laughs> find <laughs> the cheapest jerseys he possibly could. Um, Ed, I have two things for you. All right. Oh, first off, I bought you a rubber TV remote. (laughs) This way, when you get mad at the Dodgers, you can throw this. This is awesome. And it won't break anything. This is awesome. That's pretty good. Yeah, Yeah, you already dropped it. But you can throw that at the wall or your TV and it won't break anything. Yeah, it's a dog toy. It's a dog toy. But it's a rubber remote. And I also bought you something you can throw it at. A plaque of Cody oh, Bellinger. Look at that. <laughs> I can hang that on the wall by yes. the television. And, and remember every time he strikes out, I remember his MVP year yep. by throwing the remote. Yeah, it, it's got his MVP stats on here. Oh, uh, but yes, you can target Cody Bellinger <laughs> and this plaque. With the rubber remote. I got you. Thank you what? so much. Yes. That is awesome. That is going to, that's his MVP year. It is. You can remember that the good awesome. times of when Cody Bellinger could hit a fastball. <laughs> I'm much simpler for you, gentlemen. Jared. I owed you one pack, but I said, you know what? I'm going to throw in another one. <laughs> that's pretty. That's and it. I have something in here for you. Oh, so there you go. Uh-oh. Very nice. There. Thank you so you much. Go. Absolutely. And by the way, so everybody knows, Jared already gave us presents like four days yes, ago. Exactly. He's very excited. And actually, Tyler's won't be coming in until February. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler, not as extravagant in terms of a, a plaque. But a here plaque? You go, buddy. Can I throw it at the wall? Yeah, uh, you better not because you'll want to use it. I better not. All right, we gotta we gotta find out what it is before right. we go go off the air. Because I hope you still have your buddy that you call for this for this sake. My buddy that I yeah. call. Wait, who do I call for this? Well, oh, Uber Eats. <laughs> get Caleb on the. Get Caleb exactly, in here. it's for Caleb. Caleb. Yes. Now I haven't talked to you and I haven't talked to you in so long. Caleb. I know. I haven't seen Caleb in a long time. <laughs> oh man, it's the closest thing to a uh, functioning relationship. 
is weird. It's not an actual card. No, you scratch it off yeah. and you put it in. That's I weird. What did know, Jared buddy. get? Well, I thought you could add this to more Siggies. Okay, yeah, mine's <laughs> just generic. Uh, yeah. It's a visa. It's a yeah. visa. Well, I mean, you go to 7-Eleven, get the drinks, get yeah. the Siggies, and you know, we're all good. We're all good. Right. Yes. So, so my plan of quitting smoking in the new year probably. <laughs> <Good> job, Ed. <laughs> I apologize no, about that. No. What are you talking about? You'll have smoked all of those and spent the gift card on more before the new year. What are you talking about? This is going to be great. Yes, there is your dog toy oh, remote man. control this to throw at the great. wall. Um, is it the dog? Is the dog blind or is the dog? Uh... Well, the dog's no longer with us. Oh. <laughs> so. Merry Christmas! Oh, it's and gonna happy be a New good year. one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just throw the remote at Cody Ballinger. It'll Christmas. be fine. Throw it at Jared. <laughs>